Today is Pentecost, a great feast day, a celebration day in the Church of Jesus Christ around the world. The main three holidays on the Christian calendar are Easter, Christmas, and Pentecost. And so today we are celebrating the coming of the Holy Spirit, of God living in us, the followers of Jesus Christ, making us His temple, Him giving us power, and His constant loving care. And so it's with gladness today that our scripture reading is going to come from the story of that first Pentecost after the resurrection, which is found in the book of Acts, chapter 2. We're going to begin reading at verse 1. It's a longer reading for today, but uh, we want to hear the story of what occurred on that very momentous occasion. So, the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, Aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, Visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, What does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, They have had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd, Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my Spirit in those days, and they will prophesy." 
I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs in the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad, and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest in hope, because you will not, you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay, God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children, 
and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Pentecost. It's called Pentecost in Greek because it's 50 days after Passover. And it is a, a regular annual Jewish holiday that commemorates the beginning of the harvest. It commemorates the establishing of the covenant between God and the Israelites at Mount Sinai when the wandering former slaves became the people of God, His people, a new nation. And on this first Pentecost, as you have heard, the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit that had been promised, not just by Joel, but by others as well. And John the Baptist has said that when the Messiah came, he would baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So there were signs that this was indeed what was occurring. The wind... The wind is a sign that the Spirit of God was present and acting. The word for wind and the word for spirit is the very same word in both Hebrew and in Greek. The fire, it's a sign of the presence of God, just as it was as the children of Israel wandered through the wilderness, being led by Moses. They followed the pillar of cloud, the presence of of God, the pillar of fire, it showed them the way. And it showed where God was residing. It didn't come to the temple building, which was right there on a different hill in Jerusalem. There was a new temple now. There was a new house of God where God resides, the followers of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And then there was the sign of the languages. The restoration of humanity from the broken relationships, which is a result of our sin, to the community of God where all can communicate and understand and be one. And the disciples were all quite excited and were making a bit of a commotion, a lot of noise, and all this noise and excitement began to draw a crowd. What is going on, the people asked. The people of Jerusalem hadn't been expecting all of that that morning when they had awakened and gotten up. All of these people praising God and making so much noise at this house and out in the streets. What was happening? Most of my life, I have enjoyed traveling. When I go on a trip, I, I prepare ahead of time. I read the guidebooks. I plan out an itinerary. I figure out where I'm going to go and how I'm going to get from place to place on the trip. I make the reservations. I, 
often even buy the necessary tickets ahead of time. But I've learned when I've traveled that if you want to be a happy traveler, you have to be a person who is ready to be flexible because you never know what is really going to happen. Often, the best laid plans are not the way that things develop. I want to tell you a story of one time when that was the case. It was a winter trip. I had spent the night in a small village in the mountains of a, of a nation where most of the people spoke English, so it was very easy to communicate. The next morning, I was planning to take the train and to travel to another, uh, another nation over the border through a mountain pass to a valley that is famous for its winter sports. The same train line did not cross the border, so it was necessary to ride the train of the nation where I spent the night up to the top of the pass where the border was, and there, uh, at a very small village, there, the train from the other country would meet us, and at the station we would switch trains. So I got in the right train, started up through the mountains. It was a very beautiful, beautiful trip. And the higher up we went, the further and more you could see until soon we were within the mountains going through the valleys. But the higher we got, the more it began to snow. And the snow increased and increased and increased till visibility began to, to minimize. The snow along the tracks got deeper and deeper and deeper. As uh, we approached the village on the border, the train slowed. It stopped at the train station, and we all began to deboard. But hurriedly running out of the station came the station master saying, Get back on the train and go back to where you came from. The train from this country is not coming. The snow is too deep. The train's not able to make it up the mountain and get, get here. So it's not going to come. My recommendation is that you go back to where you came from. Well, most of us had reservations that if we canceled would result in us losing the amount we had paid for the reservations. And so almost everybody on the train decided to get off and see what was going to happen. Well, before long, somebody called for a taxi. A taxi came up, and we all piled into this van. It was a, it was a taxi van, and went careening down the snow-covered uh, road down to the next village where the station master said a train would arrive later in the day. However... When we arrived at that station, the station master informed us, no, probably not till the afternoon and probably not until the next day or even the day after. He didn't know when the next train was going to arrive that would take us down to the valley where the town we were, were aiming to arrive at was. 
watch where we're going to do now. Well, the station master said, you can go out and stand on the road and eventually a bus will come by and you can get on the bus and take the bus down. So we went out and we stood along the road and waited and waited and waited. And sure enough, eventually a bus did come by and we all boarded the bus and we arrived in the town that had been our goal in the first place. But there was a problem. On that side of the border, many of the people did not speak English. And the language of that nation I did not know well. I knew enough to say a few words to get some help, but not enough to carry on a conversation. I had ahead of time procured a map of the village where I was going, and I had memorized the route from the train station to my hotel. But I wasn't arriving on the train. And the bus traveled on through the town and let me out where it was supposed to let us out, but it, I had no idea where I was. I had a map, but a map is not much use if you don't know where you are on the map. So I didn't know whether I was close to the train station, whether I was close to my hotel, or whether I was two or three miles away from where I needed to arrive. Very close to where we were let off, there was a tourist information place, so I got in line, and eventually I made it up to the desk, and the customer service representative did speak a number of languages, English being one of them, and told me, oh, I didn't need to worry. I just needed to go outside the building and head up the street, and in about a block and a half, I would arrive at my hotel. The bus had almost delivered me right at the entrance to my hotel. So that was one of my interesting traveling experiences, not knowing how I was going to get there. So my question was, what's going on? How am I going to get where I need to be? The things that are happening are not what I expected, and they don't fit the plan that I had been living my life by. Well, that's very similar to these people that gathered there around the, the people who had received the Holy Spirit. They hadn't planned on that occurring that day. They had no idea of what was going on. Now, they had studied the Scriptures. It's very evident that they had all studied the Scriptures. It's very evident that Peter had studied the Scriptures because he begins to quote from them these words from the prophet Joel. He didn't pull out some scroll and unroll it and say, well, now look at what's written here. He began to say it to them, and the people also knew that Scripture. They they had all studied, and they had developed their own understanding of what they thought that the Scripture said, but it didn't match what was happening. 
And Peter says, no, it doesn't match what is happening because the plan of God is very different from the way you have understood, in fact, misunderstood what the Scriptures truly say. And so Peter began to explain to them what had happened on that morning, but also what had been happening in the weeks immediately prior to that first Pentecost in the church of Jesus Christ. So he says, he begins by saying, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And Peter quoted the passage. Then he went on to begin telling the story of Jesus. You, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. Now, the people knew about the coming of the kingdom of God, but a crucified Messiah was not a part of their understanding of the plan they had developed from the Scriptures as they had read them. But Peter said, it has been God's plan all along. This was his will, this he foreknew, and this was what was supposed to happen to the Messiah, the King of the kingdom of heaven. God himself, the creator of the world, had planned to come and become a human being and reconcile us sinners who had broken relationship with God, who had turned away from Him, who had left God, the source of life, and therefore, of course, were going to experience death. He came and took our death upon Himself to suffer our death for us, and that was the purpose of the cross. And all who trust in Him would, would be recreated and have eternal life. All who trust in Him would be reconciled to God. Their relationship with Him would be as God intended from the beginning when He created human beings in the first place. Then Peter said, God raised him from the dead. He didn't resuscitate him. He went through death and came out the other side, different from the mortal body that he had when he died on the cross. For, of course, he, the creator, the giver of life, could not remain dead and he shattered the bonds of death for all humanity and recreated his body as an immortal body. And he says that any who are willing to be reconciled to him will also experience resurrection and eternal life. Peter continues, God has made this Jesus that you crucified both Lord and Messiah. Peter could have said, it happened ten days ago when we were with him on the Mount of Olives. Jesus passed through a cloud from, 
from this earth that we can see into the throne room of heaven, the throne room of God, just as the prophet Daniel had foretold. We talked about this last week as we read the Scriptures. And he was given authority and sovereignty and seated on the throne of God as king of the kingdom of God, as the high king of heaven, sovereign of the universe. And now, and now today, Peter is saying, the next step in the coming of the kingdom of God has occurred. God has come to those who are loyal to the King, the Messiah, Jesus, and instead of choosing to live in the temple that is built over on the Temple Mount across town from where they were standing in Jerusalem, he now chooses to live in the followers of Jesus Christ, making them his temple embracing them, filling them with himself and with his love forever. Now, when, people, uh, when Peter got to this point in his account of what had been happening in the last few weeks, the people who had been listening intently, hearing the message, seeing a different way to understand the Scriptures than what they had been used to, seeing that all of this fits the Scriptures even though it was not what they had planned, they said, then what must we do? Peter said, repent and be baptized. Turn from your plans and trust Jesus. Trust His plans for your life. <clears throat> Accept Him as the Messiah King, the sovereign of the kingdom of heaven. By being baptized, change your allegiance from whatever it is that has your allegiance right now, from whatever has had your allegiance in the past, Change your allegiance to the high king of heaven. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, God, with all of his love and favor for you, will adopt you as his child, will live in you, will provide for you, will care for you, will give to you eternal life, and will give you power to live in freedom as a citizen of the only kingdom that will last forever. And that is the message of Pentecost, the message for all of us, the message that the kingdom of heaven has come, Oh, not fully. There are still yet some, some further things that are going to occur. One day Christ will come once again as the King and Sovereign 
and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. But the whole New Testament from the beginning to the end talks about the coming of the kingdom of heaven. It talks about, about Christ as the king and the new life that he offers to all of us. And Jesus, multiple places in the gospel, speaks of the coming of the Spirit of God, God residing in us, God with us, never separated from him again. And that is his offer to us all today. So where is your allegiance? We all need to ask ourselves, where is my allegiance? Many of us who are watching this will say, well, my allegiance is with Jesus Christ, the King. Is it fully with Jesus Christ, the King? I hope that it is. So let us pray. As we pray, we will give thanks that God planned to rescue us from our sin and death and give to us eternal life, life in the kingdom of God. But perhaps some of us need to do some repenting as we pray. If there's something you need to turn from, that's what repent means, turn from going one direction, turn to a new direction, then as we pray, you pray and turn. Perhaps your allegiance needs to become more complete. As we pray, make it more complete. But let us all give thanks for the goodness, the kindness of God in rescuing us, in accepting us as his children, in welcoming us back to his kingdom. Let us pray. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God, today we rejoice in your goodness and we worship you. You know the state of each of us in relationship to you. You know whether we are alienated, whether we're in rebellion, or whether Steps have been taken that have made us to be devoted to you. But I pray now for everyone who is watching and listening. May they everyone know that they have repented, that they have become children in the kingdom of heaven. May they everyone be filled with your spirit and experience the power of your love and presence. And we ask that as we go into this next week, that your spirit in us will empower us to bring hope and patience and kindness and love, your hope and patience, kindness and love into our world. 
may we live with confident trust in you, the faithful, trustworthy one. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, the Messiah, the King of heaven. Amen.